Hello? Hi. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, we are all good. It's that time again, listeners. Welcome back to another edition of the podcast. I'm Drew, your host, as always. Now, today we have something just a little bit different because in this episode, we are talking about architecture. Yes, architecture. No, I'm not changing career paths. I'm simply broadening our horizons here on the show. I can promise that it's still very relevant for both scientists and visiting members of the public because I'm speaking to the very talented architects that designed and built our very own Hazen Complex, what is really the focal point of Scripps. So we join the partners Todd Williams and Billy Chien as they recount the inception of the build and the very thinking behind it. Billy and I are a small, well, relative to doing a, a large lab, we're a small studio in, in 19, I guess 90 or so, we were much smaller and uh, were contacted about the possibility of this project almost from out of the the blue, Dr. Gerald Edelman, started it, was at Rockefeller, and his right hand there was uh, Einar Gallen. Dr. Edelman and Dr. Gall were given this opportunity to move to Scripps. The two of them were absolutely fascinating pair. Dr. Edelman, much more cerebral and sometimes ridiculously joking. And, and I would say Dr. Gall played uh, to Dr. Edelman as two great partners do. You know, Dr. Edelman was... A- charismatic and probably difficult character. For us, he was a kind of amazing um, client because he wanted to make a monastery for science. What he meant was he, he said, I want every place you look to be beautiful, and if it's not beautiful, it should be interesting. He also said that he felt that the most interesting conversations occurred not when your head's down in your work, but in between spaces. And so he had a very strong idea that the theoretical scientists were different from the practical scientists. And he, he thought that there were two ways of bringing these two different kinds of minds together. One would be anything but putting them in, in the same room to ponder the exact subject, but to perhaps do it while listening to music rather than a lecture. Uh, the other thing that he felt would occur over food or would be there while walking from one space to another. And that gave us the idea of taking the building uh, and making what we were given as a block of space, a simple rectangle of space, into three different buildings and trying to make each one come alive and the spaces between them come alive. The building is three buildings, and one building is primarily a lab building, still is. The other one was for office spaces, so that's where the sort of division between the two kinds of scientists they were talking, people who needed wet labs and people who needed offices. And then the third building, of course, is the scientific auditorium come chamber music. What you said was interesting in that the firm was kind of in its infancy when um, you guys were approached by Edelman. So what was it that kind of made him reach out to you? Why do you think he chose, chose you guys? We had a little bit of a reputation. We were known for being, I guess, rising young firm, I would say more than anything. Really, it was like a bolt out of the blue. Right. But I also think maybe to some extent, not only were we on the radar, but he also saw that we also were open to ideas. Edelman realized that we would give our heart and soul to it. And, and when we met, it was just chemically great. We felt comfortable with one another. They took a chance on us because they also interviewed some very important, well-known architects and some very established firms. 
one of the odd things that they said was interesting to them was a collaboration that we did with an artist named Mary Miss. And she's a sculptor, and we worked together with her to make these very odd telephone booths. It was to be done in a museum, and our idea was, and her idea, turn the space into an activity. They were also fascinated by the fact that we were a couple. Billy represented for them the East, which of course is reasonable given that she's Chinese, and I was representing the West, and that we too were uh, not singular but plural in our thinking. Since they were bringing together young scientists who were really sort of untested, the idea that they could then somehow choose young architects who were pretty much untested to take on this project didn't seem so unusual to them, but to us it was a kind of miracle. I just wanted to ask, with Edelman being a character, are there any things he wanted that were just sort of too outlandish when it came to the final design that couldn't really be incorporated? Oh, one thing that Edelman was a little shocked by, and we convinced him otherwise, he had worked at the Sauk, and he actually wanted the building, he didn't say it specifically, but he felt he wanted, in a way, to be able to stand up to the Sauk. Now, that would be pretty pretentious on his part and pretentious on our part, but we too saw that, and so we, one of the reasons we made it of concrete and we made it of, of Texas fossil stone was to find a relationship to it. And in that case, the Sauk, of course, looks at the ocean, and we decided we wanted to look inward to our own landscape. And I think that Dr. Edelman actually expected something to be quite visible from the top of the road. So Edelman actually wanted something like a monument up there, and early sketches that we've got show that we kind of had a monument up there. In the end, I don't know that he was happy or unhappy that this, our building was more hidden, and I think that was a bit of a struggle for him. But we decided we could never compete with the views, and we didn't want to be visible relative to what we thought were the rest of relatively ordinary buildings up there uh, along North Three Pines. So we wanted to create our own universe. In that respect, he was quite happy. Mm. It's funny you mention that because uh, we always feel like we're competing with Salk in many different areas. So. Yeah. Uh, okay. yeah. idea of, at least this was our idea, and I think he did back it, sort of cutting into the, the land a little bit. Now, you mentioned the fossil stone, and this is just absolutely beautiful uh, in the wall, and I think it took me maybe six or eight months of me actually being into my postdoc to uh, just actually notice it, because we walk past it every single day, and I don't think we um, truly appreciate it. So, uh, how is that made? It's a natural formation. Interestingly enough, later we found out that it actually could very well be the sort of formation that exists under you during the ancient times when, of course, the, we're at the bottom of the ocean. At the bottom of the ocean, and these are, of course, shells that have become fossilized. The whole geography of America has changed. Today, that fossil stone is found in Texas. Hmm. But at one time, uh, my understanding is that it well could have been really beneath where you are right now. One of the things that happened was... Um Sometime during this time, we were also teaching at the University of Texas in Austin, and we had a, a friend who loved, actually, fossils and trilobites. And yeah. so he brought us to an area of fossils, and then we found out that, actually, you could, this stone was quarried. So a lot of times, materials and ideas aren't necessarily developed at the sort of point of entry of an architecture project. A lot of times that there, there are these sort of threads and shreds, um, thoughts and memories that come together under a specific project, but they've sort of been floating around. And in a certain way, I think 
That must be true also when you're working in science, that there are other experiences or thoughts that you have that may come together when you're trying to think about a particular problem. Another thing we would do is we actually talk to Edelman about the sock, and he, he said he hated the concrete at the sock. Remember that, Billy? Because it was so cold. So we decided we would warm up our concrete pipes, sandblasting it or bush hammering it inch, and showing the aggregate. It also enabled us to do much less expensive concrete work. And then we used wood in a way which wasn't the same as using it on the windows where it constantly is battered by the sun, but we used wood in places where it would be sheltered from the sun and could, in a way, maintain its life a little bit more easily. Now, it isn't just the overall outward design of the building which is fascinating, but also the injection of subtle personal touches throughout the complex, which held a special significance for Todd and Billy and really showcases the attention to detail. I don't know whether along the way you've noticed that there are these small bas-reliefs that happen in some of the offices or in some of the walls. Mm -hmm. Those were actually models, wooden models that we made that were embedded by the contractor into the formwork of the concrete. Mm -hmm. And as well, in some of the passageways up to the upper terrace, there are cup-shaped forms, which are literally plastic cups that we had the contractor form. Well, we, saw them, we saw them drinking from these cups, and we said, well, what can we do with them? Well, they're shadow casters. So, so we, we um, were constantly also very much interested in the, what we could bring to the table, the two of us, what Dr. Edelman and Dr. Gall could bring to the table, what the contractor could bring to the table, what the land could bring to the table. In a way, we felt everyone was collaborating. Um, Todd designed the chairs in the dining room, tables, and then I also designed the tapestry, which um, is actually sort of based on a, a photograph of rocks and moss that we saw on the wall of a house that was designed by a famous architect named Philip Johnson. You know, there's another weird thing that Edelman wanted. He liked afternoon tea. I don't know that you do that. <laughs> because I'm English, I uh, <laughs> might have to answer that as a firm yes, but uh, <laughs> only very occasionally. Oh, well, you might have to, <laughs> might have to <laughs> reinstate that. It might help the science. Yeah. So he was mischievous, too. That was another nice yeah. thing. I, I think that's what also they appreciated in us. We kind of spirit of, of wanting to be involved and to have some secrets. Yeah, these details uh, and the, the fossil stone, they really do warm up the building. And it's fun to have these little surprises because, yeah, like you said, the salt, it can be a little intimidating just with the, the monotone uh, gray. I can't say too much in case I want to use the equipment. But the other big aspect, which you alluded to earlier, was the uh, auditorium. So this isn't just for scientists here to go to um, lectures. It's also for members of the public to either come to outreach events or for musical performances. So... What were the challenges there in kind of nailing the acoustics to be suitable for both? We worked with a, at that time, very well-known acoustician named Cyril Harris. Dr. Edelman told me that Harris could be kind of a grumpy guy and that we needed to ply him with cookies at all times, <laughs> which we did. Cyril wanted to make sure that the walls were not parallel. That was number one, and he believed that there should be... To, to make sure that the sound bounced around sufficiently, it needed to have a proper volume needed excellent separation, and certain walls needed to be padded as they are, and certain walls needed to be reflective. And so at that time, we were 
were making all of our models by hand, and we never we didn't use computers then. Uh, we just would make models uh, to begin to simulate and show serial ideas we had until Cyril would, munching a cookie, say, that seems like a good idea. The difficulty of building that was really very, very great because I think nobody really understood how complex that could be. Our big folding walls, we wanted to make sure that we know the sun is very, very hot, so we wanted to be able to step outside but be inside. I think that's a pretty original idea to us. I mean, a kind of front porch, but we see that in, in Italy and so on kind of sense of being outside but inside, and that's certainly important there. We also had the idea that the, that the plaza shouldn't be all concrete, that it should feel like a living room space, that it should have different textures to it uh, to, again, warm up what could be a rather austere and cold plaza. Yeah, the porch idea is great. It really does provide some cover and some intimacy when you're stepping out for a break or whether it's drinks or food is being served in that area. Are there certain common motifs to designing spaces dedicated to kind of science and research? We have a very strong opinion of that. <laughs> and, and it's actually evolved from our understanding at the Neurosciences Institute in that example. We've just finished a, a big facility at Princeton. It's nanotechnology. Nanotechnology with heavy labs and so on. Our belief is that, that somehow or another all of this stuff needs to deal with the larger idea of human interaction. Hmm. I think Dr. Edelman taught us that. That it's about people meeting one another and sharing ideas, and it's not about the thing looking like it's a scientific instrument. It's about the spaces that you make and the places you give to allow a relaxed conversation to occur. I mean, the requirements of science and laboratories is intense, and it's always changing, but it's the spaces in between that are a sort of unprogrammed space in, in many ways that allow people to talk to each other. And I think it, that's where ideas are born. And we believe that buildings also must be warm. They must be humane and, and, and human, and so they need to be able to address the feelings of men and women and different kinds of people, and that's why architecture should not be cold. It should not solely be technical. It's actually about flesh and blood, real people, and, and their lives. So that's our take. That's what, what we believe. And it really came through the process of designing this project. The, the neurosciences, and, yeah. and it's changed us forever. That's great. I definitely agree with that sentiment. And it's very easy, speaking as a scientist, to be stuck in your own lab and your own uh, building with your head down. And it's actually, you realize that it's only when you kind of go to conferences or collaborate with other people that that's when you have those great ideas and you get excited about things. So yeah, I definitely agree with that. So maybe we could just finish up with this uh, last question, kind of the favorite point of the podcast. And it'll be interesting getting architects opinion on this, which is um, if you could give one piece of advice uh, or piece of wisdom to anybody, and this could be in the realm of work or career progression, just reaching excellence or self-improvement, what do you think it would be and why? I will say, and Billy may say this too, life is long and enjoy the process and realize that answers don't appear as you want them, but they appear in that process you're engaged in. So choose a journey and enjoy it. I totally agree with Todd. I, I think obviously so many of us are concerned with results, but what that does is when you're only thinking about the result or the end of the journey, you're not conscious of the time and the experience of the journey. I would say love the, love the journey. Yeah, love the journey. Absolutely, yeah. If it's your journey, it will become ever richer. 
So I'd just like to thank Todd and Billy for what was really just an inspirational conversation. We'll have links to the images of this build in the show notes, so if you're not as familiar, go check them out because it really is an amazing complex. From here, it's also worth looking at the other projects on their firm's website because each build is more creative and unique than the last. And finally, please subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. It would be much appreciated. We'll have more good stuff coming soon. Thanks for listening. Good day and be well.